Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 19, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. <laughs> Chris McBride here. It's Pop Goes Your World. Yancey eating along with me as always. Yancey, what's going on in the world of pop for you this week, my friend? Uh, man, I I feel like I've been in all, a complete hole, Chris. Uh, you know, we were just talking off air about how, you know, this is the holiday season for me. Um, a lot of my listeners know this. I say this all the time. You know, I'm a manager for a really large food department, a large retailer. Uh, you know, so I'm in charge of you know, the Starbucks and the grocery and dry grocery and produce and meat and deli. And it's just a lot. And, you know, obviously we've been super busy. We're recording this right now on a Wednesday, which is the day before Thanksgiving in America. You guys celebrated a couple weeks ago in Canada. And uh, I really haven't got a chance to, you know, to delve into anything new, to listen to much music, to, you know, just kind of like, you know, branch out like I always like to do. I like to have something new for the show and um, I just haven't been able to do it. So I'm hoping, you know, these, these next couple weeks are going to be really tough. But after that, I can kind of just, you know, jump back in and, and get into my normal process of kind of, you know, seeing what's out there. And so there's a lot of really, like really awesome albums that are supposed to be coming out of some of my favorite groups. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But right now I'm just kind of like treading water, just trying to get through this because November is like an especially tough month for me. But uh, what's what's new for you in uh, old Canada? Oh, not a whole lot. Um, well, one thing I was going to mention was, you know, what you need to do when you have some free time is, to, you know, to watch some of those movies I've been telling you about, you know, make sure that you go back and watch some of those movies like Caddyshack and stuff that we talked about earlier. And we'll have yep, to check I in have on a list. That. I have a list. So one thing that I did was recently I went to see, uh, I went to, the, I don't get out to the movies very much. I got two young kids. So when I get out to the movies, you know, I'm usually going to see a cartoon or something like that. Right. But uh, we were able to get out recently and uh, I went to see the movie, The Girl on the Train. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I my wife wants to see it really bad. I was a little disappointed. I'm not going to lie. I thought I thought the performances in it were better than than the sum of his parts. I didn't think the, the film was all that great. Uh, I thought the Haley Bennett, uh, she was in it. Uh, she was fantastic. Like I mean, outstanding. She was good. Emily Blunt was pretty good too. I thought the ex husband uh, in it was miscast. I don't think he had the acting chops to pull off that role. It just I don't know. That's just me being picky. But um, I it just I went to see it because it had a lot of hype. And I was like, oh, I got to go see this movie, right? And we're going to get a chance mm-hmm. to get out tonight. This is the movie we got to go see. So I was a little bit disappointed. But uh, well, it's neither here nor there. Anyway, so what did, what did your two young sons think of it? Uh, they did. Oh, God, we didn't take that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Exactly. Saying. We were able to get a babysitter. We don't get a babysitter very often. But another thing that we're doing is is this weekend, we are getting uh, we are getting a friend to come over and look after the kids because we're going to go down to Toronto and we're going to watch Rick Emmett in concert. So Rick Emmett, if you don't know, do you know who Rick Emmett is or no? Probably I don't know. So uh, he's a guitar player. Uh, he was a guitar player for Triumph. So Triumph is a Canadian progressive rock band from like the late 70s and the early 80s. And I just loved them. I thought they were fantastic. And they were one of my favorite bands when I was a little, when I was a kid. And, the, and he was one of the people that inspired me to pick up a guitar in the first place because um, he was just so good at it. So what he's done now is uh, he's sort of reformed a new band, but it, they, it, it looks like it promises to be a lot of the old Triumph songs. So I'm really looking forward to that. So that was what I got from my birthday this year um, I asked my wife for a neck full of gold and instead I got a concert to Rick Emmett which is still good and I'm going to take yep. it so nice consolation prize yeah, it works out still wish I had a neck full of gold but uh, well, I'll work on her for Christmas uh, do me a favor you can contact my wife and uh, and tell her uh, Chris needs a neck full of gold that would be really really great uh, in the meantime you ready to get started on uh, this week's topic 
Yes, let's do it. All right, let's go. It's a good one. The fish that saved Pittsburgh. My parents watched this with me and they hated it, like a lot of movies that I've already mentioned on the show. Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. Man, Eddie Murphy did some of the best impressions I have ever heard. Shabadoo and Boogaloo Shrimp. Chris. I've rewatched it as an adult. I still like it. This brassiere is killing me and this garter belt is riding up my ass. Oh my, my, my. What could possibly go wrong? My parents pieced out like halfway through it. I'm good, thanks. Yep, we're good. Okay, as I mentioned on the top, it is Star Wars The Force Awakens. I figured since it's been a year since this movie came out, it was, you know, appropriate timing for us to kind of go back to take a real good look at it. Because the thing is, when it first came out, you know, with all the hype and everything surrounding it and everyone was so excited about a new Star Wars movie, I think it would be pretty tough to get an objective look one way or the other at the movie. But now that we've had a year to kind of sit back and let it sink in, you know, watch it a couple more times or whatever and kind of figure it all out, um, I think it's a little bit better or a better opportunity for us to kind of sit down and talk about it. Now, did you did you see it when it first came out in the theater? Like, were you there on opening night, Yancey? It was it I, been I, December, I, December the 18th. Um, of yeah, I didn't get to go out opening night, but I went like I think two or three days later. Um, and I watched this movie in theaters like four times too, by the way. But I didn't go that same night, which that just sounds like a nightmare to me because you have all the people dressing up and yeah. you know there's like tons of kids and you know people neck to neck. Like I like going whenever it's just died down a little bit. You know, movies aren't nearly as big as they used to be. Like you don't see like theaters completely packed for like weeks. So I'll wait a couple of days and then we'll go to where like I can like put my feet up in front of me and stuff like that. But yeah, I went and seen it like maybe two or three days after it came, initially released. One thing that happened here in Canada was actually, I don't know if you're aware of this, in Canada, it opened up a day earlier than it opened up in the United States. So it opened in the States December the 18th, and it opened up here in Canada on the 17th. It was a Thursday. And uh, so my son and I went, my son's seven, and I've introduced him to the original trilogy. I don't let him watch the prequels because they don't exist. And uh, But we watched the original trilogy. <laughs> we watched the original trilogy together. <laughs> and he loved the original trilogy. So we went and we went and we got in line and we waited for it. It was great. And then I ended up bumping into a buddy of mine, uh, the, the buddy that I went to Fan Expo with. I didn't even know he was at the theater was great so we went in he's got two young kids we all were sitting there it was just great um so i was really it was really great to be a part of the uh, you know sort of that opening night thing but mm-hmm. uh so i guess we'll start off with the question that i want to ask yancy because i think your take on star wars is and we you know we, we talked about this on a previous show your take on star wars is a little bit different than mine um star wars just sort of as a whole when i mentioned that um so what did you think of the movie Wow, that's such an open-ended question. Um, I, lo- I love open-ended questions. Okay, o- o- overall, I'll just I'll say this: like, I I'm the type of person where I can be critical of something and also still really enjoy it. Of course. So I think I think this movie has some problems to it, but overall, I really really enjoyed the hell out of it. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. I, ho- I hope this doesn't surprise you or anyone else out there. I liked this movie. Hmm. But but I'll, but I'll just say that I liked it. I didn't love it. And, okay. and this is coming from somebody who absolutely, as you know, loves the original trilogy. Like, I love it to death. Like, that is just, I don't know, it's off the charts. Like, I mean, to me, that's just the ultimate pop culture experience for me is the original Star Wars trilogy, um, which I absolutely love, as I mentioned. But this one I liked. I liked it a lot. It was fun to be in the theater to see it it was it was it was a fun ride um and for lots of things i'm sure we're going to get into tonight there was just a few things about it that i just didn't love i just didn't love i it's so hard i mean okay so first of all for me like it looks amazing visually the movie's outstanding but i know this is going to sound crazy and, and you're going to think i'm nuts as visually amazing as it looks 
it still doesn't look like Star Wars to me. Does that make any sense to you? T to me, okay, so let me put this in perspective. The original trilogy is what it is. I love that world, right? Um, the prequels to me don't look like Star Wars. That's one of the reasons why I don't like them. They, to me, mm -hmm. they it doesn't look like Star Wars. It looks like a cartoon for crying out loud, th those movies. Like, it's just bizarre. And the worlds and the sets, and what I mean, it's just all CG, the whole friggin' thing, right? Uh, it's all digital. But even this one, where this one was more of a throwback to, um, there was still a lot of CGI in it, but there was a bit more of a throwback to, um, you know, more costumes and sets, you know, and reality to it that way, mm -hmm. because that's one of the things that made the original trilogy so great, right, was the fact that the world looked lived in and it looked dirty. It was like you could see the rivets and the oil on the on the Millennium Falcon. Like it was a real world. People lived there. It was it was great. Um, whereas the prequels were all kind of like shiny and bright and everything was digital and just looked like crap, right? Um, so this one, The Force Awakens was more of a throwback to the original, but it's still for something for me. It just didn't feel like Star Wars. You know what it felt? And I go, I guess I know because J.J. Uh, Abrams maybe, it felt like, it felt more like a reboot than it did an actual continuation of the story. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. That's actually like the main point that I was going to make where, um, like I said, I love the movie. I think that Daisy Ridley and John Boyega are absolutely phenomenal. Like I, all the casting, I have zero problems with. The acting is phenomenal. There's tons of chemistry. Like you said, from a cinematography standpoint, it's absolutely incredible. Um, but there are so many elements, especially just with like the plot and you know just how the the the, the film is you know sequenced and stuff like that, where there are literally you know exact shots and stuff like that that are pulled from the original trilogy. Like there are so many different elements to it that we have seen verbatim, you know, in the original trilogy. So it's like, um, I kind of grapple with this back and forth because it was like, was JJ Abrams just making like a, uh, almost like a tribute movie, which it kind of felt like at some parts, or was this kind of like a, Hey, let's bring back the old star Wars fans who grew up with this. And were basically like bastardized by, you know, episodes one through three. And like, let's reintroduce them to the franchise and kind of show them like, Hey, let's reestablish this franchise as something that you knew and loved. And then now once we've done this, we can kind of push the thing forward. And obviously, uh, you know, let me go ahead and say this right now, you know, spoilers and stuff like that. Like Han dies guys, sorry to break it to you, but you know, Han Solo does die in this film. And a lot of people were really upset by that. But I think that was kind of like the necessary, um, it was an, it was a necessary act just basically to say like, Hey, listen, you know, like I understand like this whole film feels very familiar to you guys, but we kind of have to let go of Han just because like his, his personality and like his gravitas in this film is so huge that he drives everything that goes on in this movie. So in order for the, the franchise to kind of progress and for the story to actually build on the Force Awakens, you kind of had to part ways with Han just so that it could move forward. You see what I'm saying? I couldn't imagine there being two more films in the in the new trilogy with Han Solo there in the forefront. He's just too big of a personality, and he would just you know he would demand so much of the attention that um, I, I just don't think it was possible. But like I said though, I think it was intentional. I think it was trying to recaptivate an entire generation of people who were kind of like left out in the cold with episodes one through three. And that's why you've seen so many of the familiar cuts and, you know, same ac action sequences and, you know, even like the lightsaber sequences or like whenever the X-Wing fighters are coming up and, you know, all, all those things felt so familiar. It was like just like a nostalgia overload, but I do think it was by design. So the Han dying thing, yeah, obviously we're not spoiling a movie that is the the highest grossing film of all time. I'm sorry, if you haven't seen it by right. now, you know, too bad, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah. the thing is, interestingly enough, see, if you want to go back to the original trilogy and, you know, this is trivia that everyone's aware of, I'm, I'm sure, is that... Uh, Harrison Ford wanted Han to die in the second film. So he right. wanted him to die in Empire because, and so did Lawrence Kasdan. 
the screenwriter, he felt it was important to. He felt one of those three characters had to go because, you know, in linear storytelling, you know how it works, right? It's boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. That's the formula for any movie. And in the second act, everything goes to crap, right? Boy loses girl. So everything goes to crap in the second act. And they wanted one of the characters to die. And Harrison Ford was like, it has to be Han Solo. You know I mean? He's mm-hmm. the only one that has no parents or anything. He's just like kind of a free spirit. He's the one that needs to go. You know, there's no ties there, you know, for holding him back. And Lucas had would have nothing to do with it. He was like, no, there's no way I'm killing off that character. I'm not killing off any one of the three. Forget it. So the kind of compromise that they came to was, okay, well, let's freeze him in carbonite. Let's at least do that. Because I mm-hmm. think, you know, uh, Harrison didn't even want to come back for the third one. And then when he, he agreed to come back for the third film, even then he was fighting in the third film, okay, he has to die. Han has to die. Maybe in the, in, in, in the, in the Battle of Endor, when they're trying to knock out the uh, the tractor beam and all that kind of stuff, like maybe that's where he has to die somewhere. And the movie needs to end with him dying. Nope, nope, nope. Lucas would have none of it. And so I think Lucas must have been sitting back watching this movie when it came out and go, well, for Harrison got his wish, you know, and so did Kasdan because that was what they mm-hmm. those guys wanted the whole time. To come out and do it in the first film of the next trilogy, it doesn't happen in the second act, right? So it's more interesting. And like you said, I think it was maybe for the shock value of it because the rest of the film is so familiar. Um, Like you said, it is a bit of an homage to the original Star Wars film. Almost, you know, almost frame by frame, frame by frame. Right. Really. I mean, you <laughs> it know, is it, wild. De- yeah. You know, and there's there's a droid in the desert with some, you know, some mystery inside of him and this data and uh, and the, the bad guys are chasing him through the desert and killing people in their way and then they got to get away and all this and then they, you know, there's a big uh, Death Star that, of course, has a trench and, of course, it has a weakness. I don't know what it is with these guys building these star Death Stars and there's always a weakness that they can fly in the middle of it and blow it up and then they fly away. Like, yeah, so, I mean, the, it's more than an homage. It's more of a reboot. And mm-hmm. I don't know, but to me, it's still... Okay, the original trilogy for me is a master class in film, okay? Because it's got action, pace, plot, but it has great great characters to motivate the storytelling and the prequels obviously they just collapsed under their own weight you know the plot points are explained away by like midichlorians and trade disputes and all that crap i think lucas's skill (laughs) as a director in the first film was on full display okay by the time he got Mm -hmm. around to making the prequels you know i think it was pretty clear to everybody it was pretty apparent that he had not been in the director's chair for over 20 years you know but like I said, The Force Awakens, it feels a bit more like a reboot than a continuation of the story. That's for let me. me. Ask, yeah. Let me ask you a question about yeah. this, okay? Mm-hmm. So so we both kind of like broke it down and stuff like that. We like the film or whatever, but like you said, it does feel eerily familiar. And mm-hmm. that, whether or not that was by design, let's let's leave that up for interpretation for the listeners. Would I you have sorry, been I'm just going to jump in. I think it had to be because of the prequels. Because the prequels right. were such um, a, such a, a disconnect from the original trilogy, and that was one of the big complaints a lot of people had, like myself included. That's that's not Star Wars. It doesn't feel like Star Wars. It doesn't look like Star Wars. What the hell is that? You know. And the idea of just to tie back something you said before about the acting, the original trilogy. What made it so good was that they brought in great actors. 
they brought mm-hmm. in these these people that you know, he wanted unknowns for the three leads, which would he, which would he got. And but even even the only sort of well known actor that he brought in was Sir Alec Guinness, and he was he was by the way the only person ever or the only actor ever in any Star Wars form to be nominated for an Oscar. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in '77. Um, so they brought in great actors. The prequels didn't do that. Instead, oh, let's bring in big names. Let's bring in Samuel L. Jackson and 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 Liam Neeson, and we'll bring in Ewan McGregor. What? Like what's going on? Like it was. Mm-hmm. In, so they kind of forego a lot of the great acting for you know for the digital experience. So because of that disconnect, I think Abrams had to come in and and go back to that like not just an homage to the original film but the idea of bringing in a bunch of unknowns that are really good actors I agree with you um, to, for the most part I thought uh, Daisy Ridley was an incre- was incredible I really really she was engaging in that film as an actress uh, Boyega not you know as uh, not quite as much um, even still a lot of the reactions kind of were like kind of just shocked and stuff like that but I don't know mm-hmm. I mean, it's nitpicking but I mean but, but anyway so that's I agree with you that he had to kind of go back and, and do that because of the, the prequel so sorry go ahead so, so would you have been more upset had he not um, basically like taken the leap of faith and and did kill off Han Solo? So, say like the entire movie is exactly the same, except at the very end, whenever Han is meeting with Kylo Ren, he doesn't kill Han. He, you know, something happens, he escapes or anything like that, and that's how the movie ended. Would you have been more pissed off, or would it? You know, you see, what I'm saying like I almost feel like all of that stuff is acceptable because, like I said, he did he did give us like a huge uh, emotional moment where he does kill off Han Solo. And then now the, the, you know, the franchise, I can, I can rest assured that the next two franchises aren't going to be the exact same thing as the original two. You see what I'm saying? So like, I, I feel confident that the franchise is going to take a completely different path, but do you feel that same way? Like the Han Solo was kind of like a, uh, yeah, I know that this was familiar, but like, you know, this is us pushing forward. Do you feel like that? I think it was, I think he, I, I would not have been surprised if Harrison Ford would have said, I'll come back and do the movie on one condition. You kill him off. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. You Isn't know? that really wild though? Like considering, you know, obviously actors love to act. They love getting big parts. You hear of all these people that want cameos and stuff like that. You know, like even like Daniel Craig was like a stormtrooper in this movie. Like yeah. everybody wants to be in, in Star Wars. Like even uh, Samuel L. Jackson, like when he was Mace Windu in episode one, like he like begged to be in Star Wars. You know what I mean? Isn't it so unusual? Like even with Harrison Ford, like back in the seventies at the height of like this franchise, just completely blowing up. Like he had the foresight to be like, Hey, listen, like, I'm willing to sacrifice like my own personal gain and exposure and money to not be in this film because I think it's good for the storyline. Like that is so rare. I can't think of an instance where like an actor would like volunteer that of himself. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah, and when, you know, if you go back to the original trilogy too, he was kind of like he was he was the he was the breakout star of the first movie. You know what I mean? And and he kind of mm-hmm. looked at it and he was in an interesting position too because um, the other two kind of got typecast. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, um, Mark Hamill had to go into voice work, you know, to kind of sustain his career because he was so typecast in that role of Luke Skywalker and. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Carrie Fisher for the most part, but Harrison Ford was able to kind of like, kind of go, okay, now I can go to it. I now I can start acting. I can start really doing some cool roles, and I think that was where he wanted to go. And as a result, felt it necessary to kind of break ties from that character, and that maybe that was some of the motivation he had to kill him off early on as well, because um, he wanted to go and do different stuff. So maybe that was part of the motivating factor too of why he didn't want to come back or why we wanted to kill him off and not be part of it so much for the story, but also maybe just for personally, just to kind of put some distance between himself and that character. I don't know. What do you think mm-hmm. of that? No, I, I mean, I guess I do buy that. It's just, like I said, like if I, 
if I were an actor and and I were thrust into literally, I mean, I guess at the time he didn't, he couldn't have possibly foreseen like the, you know, how much staying power that franchise would have had, you know, 30 and 40 years later. But like, even still, like, it's just, it's incredible that, you know, that he would just volunteer that of himself. But I mean, that's, that's slim pickings. I want to jump in really quick and I want to bring up something. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is, it's, slightly related to this but i read something about this while doing research for the show and i want to get your take on it sure uh carrie fisher actually came out with like a she wrote like a book or like a memoir or something like that Mm -hmm. basically talking about how she actually had an affair with han solo you know with yeah yeah they did in the first film that's right isn't that wild like he was married and had two kids and everything do you think that like plays into the part of like them having like all this chemistry and stuff like that or like am i just like grasping at straws that aren't there well i don't know we've talked before on shows you know it's so funny because on-screen chemistry does not always translate off-screen sometimes it sometimes it you know as is as a result of off-screen chemistry but a lot of times that's not even the case the example that i've given on a previous podcast the one that always stands out to me is um a movie from i think it was 85 an officer and a gentleman and it was with richard Gere and deborah winger and they had incredible on-screen chemistry but off-screen they hated the hell out of each other like i mean they hated each other so sometimes that on-screen chemistry is not always you know it doesn't always happen off-screen and then you get other situations where you know couples are married and they're in a film together and they have zero chemistry. It's that, just flat, yeah. Yeah, the one that jumps out to me is Eyes Wide Shut with um, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. You know, they're married. Um, and that movie's so bad. The movie's <laughs> terrible, but their on-screen <laughs> chemistry was horrid. Like, terrible on-screen chemistry. So, it's, so I don't know. That's the way I would say that. Like, I don't know if it always translates. Um, but yeah, no, I, I did know, I remember hearing about that, but then I heard about that recently too, that yeah, she came out in her memoirs and said that she's done this. She said some very interesting thing in her, in, things in her memoirs over the years. They've been quite famous. Um, so mm-hmm. a quick question for you then, you know, talking about this movie, um, and again, just going to go on the record as we call it episode seven. Don't forget, I call, I don't even call the original films, what do they call them? Episode four, five, and six? No. I call them Star right. Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. That's what they're known as to me, but you know, I'm just a stickler that way. Um, so, if you had to rank the Star Wars movies, where does The Force Awakens fit into the group for you? It, I, honestly, I think this is kind of like a this is like a, a a slow pitch. This is a really easy question. It's not as good as the first three, and it's way better than episodes one, two, and three. So, I mean, I would put it firmly in, in fourth out of the seven films. I Very think that's how, how would that's, you, so that's, how would that's pretty it? obvious. So, how would you how would you rank the original trilogy and then this? Just out of curiosity. Um, I think probably you, you em- said before Empire was first, right? Yep, Empire, Return of the Jedi, A New Hope. Uh, then it's called Star the Wars. Wars. It's, it's called Star Wars. It's not called. Okay, anything. fair enough. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair enough. Sorry, I'm putting my um, Gen X foot down on this one. <laughs> yeah, then I would probably go Attack of the Clones, uh, Revenge of the Sith. No, I don't know. The the, the 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 newest three episodes one cares, two, three are yeah. so freaking bad. Just... So it's for you it's Empire Strikes Back, it's Return of the Jedi, and then Star Wars, and then the the Force Awakens, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go in order. For me it's Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Jedi, and then the Force Awakens. Okay. I gotta go with Star Wars uh, as number one just because it was the original, it was the first one, it was the magic, you know, it was all that kind of stuff. Although I still will contend that the Empire Strikes Back is the greatest science fiction film of all time because it if you look at it just science fiction for what it is you cannot beat 
a planet made of, like, entirely covered in snow. Another planet that's an entire swamp planet. You've got a city in the clouds. You've got, um, you know, all these, uh, those, the, the, the AT-ATs, uh, you know, uh, uh, not AT-80s. Um, AT-80s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got the AT-ATs. Like, just, there's so many things, like, fro- it's like I frozen in carbonate. There's just so many science fiction elements in that film. It's just off the charts. But I would still go Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, uh, Jedi, and then The Force Awakens. That would be for me. Um, there was a lot of, one thing, another thing that I noticed in this film, and we all noticed in this film, there's a lot of humor they brought a lot of humor back into this yes. film yes. and and how did you feel about that did you feel it was like overdone just right not enough i mean like what were your thoughts because the original trilogy did have some humor injected into it the prequels had none they tried with jar jar and uh, lucas does not understand but that's one thing lucas never got the humor he never mm-hmm. even under a lot of the humor that was injected in the original trilogy was done so through improvisation and things like that that lucas didn't even understand he just didn't get it like we had talked before when we were talking about the original trilogy your favorite line of i love you and i know um was <laughs> was obviously uh, you know harrison ford kind of came up with that line he pitched it to kirshner before they did it you know he got his approval he did it on set and they went with it. They left it in. Lucas was like, I, I don't get it. Why is that mm-hmm. funny? Why would people laugh at that? Not understanding that in the moment, that was a very, uh, very, you know, there's a lot of gravitas in that moment. The guy's about to get frozen. He could die, you know, I and mean, this is a main character. So I think the audience needed that lighthearted line. That line just was perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Lucas never really, really connected with comedy, I guess you could say. Um, um, but uh, in this movie, there was quite a bit of co- uh, comedy in it, quite a bit, of, not comedy, quite a bit of humor you know, in it. And so how do you feel about that? I, whenever I watch it in theaters, like I said, I, I waited a couple of days, but there was still, it was, it was near capacity. Say the theater was maybe 90% full and there were probably seven or eight times where the entire theater was just like exploding with laughter. Like, like most notably whenever Finn is talking to, you know, the droid and, you know, BB-8 and he basically like gives him like the thumbs up and like you know the you know BB-8 flicks out his little yeah, like butane looking yeah. lighter and gives him the thumbs, thumbs up, up yeah. like people were literally like dying like for like five minutes like they couldn't stop laughing um that almost felt like a little I don't know a little campy almost like they were kind of like pandering to like they know that like there were kids in the audience but like I'll admit like I still laughed um but like I could have done without it being there but I, I love how it's not like punchline like zinger like it's like if you just listen to like the back and forth between different characters and stuff like I, I thought it was just like it was perfectly put in there like it kept certain parts light when they were supposed to be light but like you said with Han you know like he's literally about to be frozen in carbonite and then he throws a joke like it kind of needed it there but there were never instances in this film where like they added in humor and I felt like it was kind of like forced or anything like that like I, I thought it was really well done i will say that like we haven't mentioned walter isaac at all i thought his character was so incredibly awesome and charismatic and like i wanted so much more from him i'm hoping in the future films like they use him more because like he was one of those implementers of humor like but it was like super subtle and like it kind of like he's like the new han solo basically where like it's not him trying to be funny it's only like this is who this guy is like he's literally like staring at like the face of death and like he's making jokes about it you know what i mean like yeah. whenever he's being interrogated by uh kylo ren and you know kylo ren's trying to extract information from using the forest and stuff like he's basically just like you know whatever dude like i'm i'm the new han solo like i don't care i, like, think, that, I think that was the scene when he's like well so uh, who talks now do you talk do i talk how does that work you know yeah, it's um, just like really subtle back and forth i love yeah, that i don't know i didn't love that as much because to me you're right it was in the face of danger it seemed like it was kind of a throwaway line like it was it was it was almost like I don't know. It was it was very obvious it was in there for humor and he was trying to play it for humor. Whereas Han Solo's original line of I know 
there was no there wasn't an inkling in his voice that he was playing that for humor it was just it was a deadpan line that just spoke volumes about his character and their relationship to me um mm-hmm. i thought the, the but i will agree with you walter isaac was 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 very good i liked his the way he handled the role i thought he brought a different element to the movie which was needed i just felt it went a little bit too far with that scene with kylo ren that's my personal mm-hmm. opinion um but uh yeah i don't know i i, I definitely was happy to see some humor injected back into the movie. I think it was a little bit too much in places. Um, I definitely like to see a little bit, in, especially after the prequels, because again, you know, uh, Jar Jar trying to eat an apple with his tongue and the guy grabs a tongue and all that crap. It's just, this is not funny. <laughs> just get rid of this. Just, just, just end it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas yeah. at least here it was, it was a more, um, sort of story driven you know for lack of a better term just kind of like what you alluded to so for that reason I liked it but overall I felt it might have been just a little too much I don't know it's it's so hard here's the thing for me it's like there's a world that's created with the original trilogy for me and, and it's and I don't want to say that it's just that I'm nostalgic because I'm totally nostalgic and we all know it I mean that's my that's what I am I'm a Gen Xer who is nostalgic mm-hmm. for the past and but there's something about that world when I watch those original trilogy movies it's a fun place and it's a world it's complete escapism like I can just get lost in that world in the world that's created in the prequels to me is non-existent as much as I enjoyed The Force Awakens and as much as I thought it was really fun to watch, I didn't get lost in the world. And I think, to me, that's where I just don't love it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, that is fair. Um, man, I know we're like already up against time, but like I just want to like throw out a couple things like really quickly. Sure, sure, of course. One, um, Lupita Nyong'o is really like one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my entire life. She's an amazingly talented actress. You know, she like burst onto the scene. She won all these awards and everything like that. And whenever I heard that she was cast for this movie, I was super excited because like I love her as an actress, right? Mm-hmm. And what do they do? They make her character completely CGI and like very like literally the most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my entire life. Lupita Nyong'o is like just beautiful and stunning. Um, that part was really weird. Uh, what did you think and about? And she can act um, too, by the way. <laughs> she's an yeah, amazing actress. Yeah, she can also actress. act too. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't mean I don't she's mean to denigrate her yeah. just as like physically attractive. Exactly. Like, she's no, an I, incredible actress. I agree. She's um, beautiful. She can, she's talented. Oh, she's amazing, right? And, and what do you think about how if you know, I don't know if you're like me, but like I was constantly looking at you know YouTube videos where like they would dissect frame by frame all the trailers and fan theories and everything like that. Like I was really invested in this months before the movie came out. So. If you looked on all the promotional posters, they would always show, you know, all the main characters and stuff like that. But they would show Finn holding a lightsaber and they would show Rey holding like her staff, like almost like a katana looking weapon. You know what I mean? And they were basically trying to lead us to believe that Finn was the one who was force sensitive and that he was going to be kind of like the Jedi in this role. But, you know, obviously, once we watch the movie, it's completely flipped. Like, what did you think about that? Like, did you go into it ahead of time thinking, you know, that? Boyega's character was basically going to be a force sensitive or you know how did, how did you grapple with that when you were watching I will tell you how I went into it I try not to think about it too much but the, this is the way that I went into it okay looking at the trailers and looking at the poster especially I went into it with one, thinking one thing look at the poster where's Luke Skywalker Right. That's a, that's the thing. Where's Luke? Where's Luke? Why isn't Luke in there? Because you knew because you heard all the rumors that the original three were coming back into this film so you knew that Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill were all going to be in this movie. So why is Luke not on the poster? That's all I was wrestling with. Where? Why is he not there? What's going on? Hmm, this is interesting. Is he the bad guy? Is Does he turn? Is he going to be the bad guy in this one? And that's what the story is about? I didn't know what to expect. So that's what I was going in expecting, that Luke Skywalker was going to be Kylo Ren. 
And he was literally in the film for what fifteen seconds and yep. zero dialogue, and not not a single line. Yeah, in the end, which was, which was okay. I, I was fine with it. I was fine with the way that it was it was it that it all played out. I was cool with that. But um, but that's what I went into. So I didn't. The other thing too is, and this is going to sound really really crazy to a lot of people. I have never been huge, and maybe this is why I didn't like the prequels either. Well, there's lots of reasons not to like them. I was never really huge on all the mythology. Like, sir, there were some people like, oh, it's the mythology that I just love. Uh, I was never about that because to no, me, me the, the, the the idea of the force was at its best when it was simplistic. When and it, it was the practicality of it. The, yeah. the fact that like it could literally be in existence now. Like that's what, that's what I, I know I'm cutting over you, but like that's what pissed me off about like the new, you know, the episodes one through three mm-hmm. was it went from being like the force is everything all around us to the force is literally like something that's in your blood. Yeah. And then they, they basically doubled back and JJ Abrams is trying to fix all of that because like whenever uh, Lupita's character, I can't even remember the name. Uh, Moss. Uh, Ma, uh, Moss or yeah. whatever her name is. Um, Whenever she's talking, she basically is saying, you know, she's not force sensitive. She's not, um, you know, a Jedi or anything like that. But like she talks about how like, oh, the force is all around you. So it's like they're basically trying to like reshape our mind into thinking like, oh, the force is like something natural. It's almost like um, it's like this like, you know, mother nature type thing. Like they've literally had to like switch all of the undoing. You know, they're, they're having to undo all of the, you know, misconceptions of the force that Lucas put in you know with episodes one two and three like so like he's literally having to backtrack like that's why i said like i keep coming back to this but like this whole film is literally just trying to reestablish the franchise and like fix three whole movies worth of screwing it up that's a really good point and, I'm, and i just like to close on that point because that's a great great point that you made and i was hoping we could bring it back to that is think about the the pressure that was on jj abrams in directing this film mm-hmm. he is not only trying to carry on the magical world of the, the the original trilogy, he also has to undo all of the damage done by the prequels. That's a hell of a lot of pressure on a director on any film. It's, so no matter what happens, there's going to be some disappointment with it in some way because that is a lot of pressure to carry in. And under the circumstances, I'd say he did one hell of a job. I... I, I... I agree. I'm. I want to see what goes on in episodes. You know, the next two or three of this trilogy and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if he's completely directing the other ones by himself. I know that they're bringing on other people, but um, I'm definitely excited to see like where this franchise goes. I mean, this is just a. Uh, this is just the beginning for this, and they're just going to keep pushing forward. And obviously, we have a new Star Wars movie coming out really soon too, which is uh, you know a different storyline, yep. but the same universe and stuff. So obviously, we're going to talk about that too. But I did like this film. I don't want people to think I didn't like it. Yep. It has its problems, but. I'll, altogether like a very good film and i'm really excited to you know be talking about star wars yeah oh yeah me too and like yeah don't come away from this with the wrong impression that i didn't like the film i did like the film i just didn't love it that's Mm -hmm. that's the one takeaway i want to have from this movie is i like this movie a lot and like i say there's a lot of pressure on this movie coming in i think he did a hell of a job on it so i liked it i liked it a lot but i didn't love it and the original trilogy i absolutely love it's something i hold dear to me in a pop culture sense and just in a personal sense I love the original trilogy alright let's have some fun with Yancey okay I'm gonna start you off easy this week okay Yancey really yes. easy question okay multiple. you say that every time and then I get ghosted no, on like man, three no, questions no man these are easy man multiple <laughs> choice question okay on the planet okay. Jack Who mm-hmm. where does Ray live A in a tent B in the remains of a Star Destroyer, C, in a TIE Fighter, 
or D in the remains of an ADAT? D. Yes, and it is an ADAT, by the way, not an ATAT, as we An ATAT. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, Sir. So I'm going to call him Sir, even though he's not knighted. Sir Phil Tippett tends to disagree with you on this one. So this is great. Okay, this one you've already answered. You know, I was going to ask you. This famous English actor had a cameo in the film as a stormtrooper. Can you name the actor? But you already mentioned, and it is. Daniel Craig. Hi, right, there you go. Okay, here's, here's one. This Saturday Night Live alumnus provided some of the noises that were synthesized into becoming BB-8's voice. Can you name the actor from SNL who helped provide the sounds that would become BB-8's voice? Bill Hader. Very good. Yes, he's one of your favorite performers on the show. As yes, we here on them. Okay. As you know, and as everyone knows, each of the Star Wars films has opened up with the crawl. You know, which, of course, sets the stage for the story, right? And the original film's crawl began with, it's a period of civil war. In The Force Awakens, what's the first sentence in the opening crawl? I thought there wasn't a crawl. It starts with, uh, it starts with Rey. She's, like, scavenging and stuff, and it shows her, like, pulling something out. Dude, the dude, it opens up with John Williams' score and the full-screen Star Wars logo, which recedes into space, and the crawl starts. Episode oh, okay. seven, The Force Awakens, and it says Luke Skywalker has vanished. Is the you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Oh, I'm very disappointed. That is the first scene, Fancy, though, but it is Fancy, after the crawl. I am very disappointed in you, young man. Okay. Blasphemy. <laughs> now, the Force, Awakens, the Force Awakens is not available. This is a this is a millennial question for you, okay? The, the Force Awakens is not available for streaming on Netflix in the United States of America. It is, however, available on Netflix in what country? If you're going to say Canada, I'm going to be so upset. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Canada. Another <laughs> reason really? to love the Great White North. Yes, it's available. It would start in September. It started streaming here in Canada. It was available on Netflix. And one of the reasons How is that fair? How is that fair? Because one of the reasons was it had to do with it was a it was like this legality thing that was going on in the United States. Um, I guess Disney had worked out a deal with Netflix saying that, hey, yeah, any movies that we make, you can stream. But that starts January 1st, 2016. And this film, unfortunately, was released in December 2015. And so they did not hold the rights for the streaming. And in Canada, we could watch it. So I have watched it several times on Netflix. So I got to say, unfortunately, uh, for you guys, again, another reason why the Great White North is so great, I guess, right? <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> anyway, time to wrap things up for another week, Yancey. Hey, man, thanks a lot. We could probably talk about the force awakens for um 10 hours longer, i'm definitely i'm definitely know? like wanting to talk about more stuff but i know we have to go this yeah really i know ah, we're always up against the clock on this show so anyway yeah listen thanks for uh, listening to uh, pop goes your world the pop culture podcast for the generations thank you for listening to the pop goes your world podcast continue the conversation on twitter at c mcbrien or at yancey eaton Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Music.